Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Kepner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. This is your first time tuning in to the show. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein, as we are continuing our positional breakdown, we have gone through the offensive line. We have gone through the defensive backs. We have gone through the wide receivers, the tight ends, the running backs. Today, we are going back to the trenches talking about the defensive line and the edge group. And you know with this new regime that is in town with Joe Hortiz and Jim Harbaugh, they are going to want to prioritize the trenches. And I know as it relates to pick five, edge and defensive line is not a position that has been talked about much with the Chargers because obviously all focus is going to be on that depending on what the Chargers are going to do, where they're going to prioritize positions. But when we're going to go through this, I think there's going to be a new sense of, I don't want to necessarily say urgency, but possibly urgency given who's on the roster, how much spending money the Chargers can possibly bring in, you know, spend to bring in an an outside free agent, maybe just as a stopgap option. How are they going to build to pair with Tuli Tulopolotu? What is this edge room even going to look like by the time that we get to the 2024 regular season? So, a lot of question marks. Excited to dive into this and break everything down. But of course, before we do that, Dan Wolkenstein, sir, how are you? It's rainy in California, but how's your day going? It's going great. It's going great. I actually took some work to a coffee shop only to have the internet go out. It sounds about right. Got there. So that was like, all right, cool. This is how my morning's going. But uh, otherwise, got that back up and running. So things were great. So I got my leftover coffee here in hand. It's good, man. This is a, a fun episode, an important episode. And to your point, and we'll talk about this more, you go look at the defenses of Jesse Minter and the mentality of Jim Harbaugh through the years and how important the defensive line success is. Not necessarily star-studded, but the defensive line by committee I sort of talk about. This is a very big group. It kind of sets the tone for a lot of what Jesse Minter's defense does, and probably what a lot of defenses do, but the way that they do it is a little different. Um, so this is a fun one, and you pair that with what the Chargers currently have on the roster and some of the, the volatility and the variables that the Chargers have at the positions and who they're going to keep and let go from a salary cap perspective, from a performance perspective, from a draft capital perspective. Fascinating stuff, so pumped to get into this one. Uh, Jake, this is probably one of your favorites because this is combining, obviously, draft stuff with free agent stuff with performance and the big uglies, if you will, and the trenches. I'm excited for this one, and there's a lot to get to, so let's get started. Okay, so today, just for formatting purposes, we're going to go through the edge and the inter-defensive line guys currently on the roster. Then we'll go through some guys who are free agents at both positions that the charge could possibly target. Followed by Jake's favorite time, all things NFL draft prospects for both positions, where they can target some guys to maybe look out for and possible dream scenarios. All of that coming up on this episode. Super exciting one. But Jake, before we start, I think we got to kind of take a step backwards. Look at what this team looked like and the guys currently on the roster and the state of this squad. So without further ado, Jake, let's get into it. There's so many ways to start this, honestly. And, and you look at, the edge position. And there's obviously some positions here that you can kind of combine a little bit. So for example, like a Morgan Fox, I would say he's kind of a tweener, kind of like a Calvin Noy two years ago. That's kind of the tweener type. For the Chargers, though, the defensive line as a whole is so fascinating to me because there are so many doors that this Chargers team can walk through. And that all hinges on like one position that they do, like one transaction that they make can change kind of the the landscape of this entire group. If they keep Khalil Mack, that impacts so many pieces. If they trade Khalil Mack, what what comp are they getting for it? If they trade or release Mack and Bosa, what do they get for it? To start with the edge group, though, like this is the the larger discussion. And this is why a lot of people nationally, locally talk about the decision, the big decision, the cap hell, quote unquote, that this Chargers team is in. Two of the four biggest reasons for it are on the defensive end side of it. The wide receiver side, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, who talks about that. 
Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Khalil Mack, and Joey Bosa are the four highest cap hits on this Chargers team. And I circled it here for those watching on YouTube. 76, 77 million dollars. 77 million dollars. 30% of the cap hit for 2024 is slated to go to Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. Again, we talked about this on a previous episode. Those two numbers, $38 million cap hit for Cleo Mack, $36 million cap hit for Joey Bosa, top two in the entire NFL. For reference, Jake and friends, the average edge position makes $12 million. Both of these guys are triple that. Now, before we get to like who stays, who goes, what do they do? Ask yourself, if there was one of those guys, who do you think deserves that money? Or let me take a step back. Before he deserves money, who do you think the Chargers would want to keep, all things considered? We're talking age. We're talking trade value. We're talking production, fit with the scheme, you name it. Which of those two, before we get to Thule and Chris Rumpf, of the top two names, which two, which do you think the Chargers want to actually keep on the roster. I mean, scheme fit, I think it fits Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack very well for what Jesse Minter is going to do. So I think that's a wash. You take age, obviously. Joey Bosa is, what, five years younger than than Khalil Mack, I believe. Um, so you definitely plays in, in, in play there. Joey Bosa is still under 30. Khalil Mack, though, this is where the big hammer swings in his favor is the production. And the health aspects, because Khalil Mack, <laughs> thirty plus years old now, going in would be thirty three, and he has a one of his best years that he's ever had in the NFL in terms of production last year. And this is without Joey Bosa. This is pairing him alongside the Tuli Tulipolotu, and for what he did throughout the season, even from a macro sense of you know not impacting the Chargers' defense that much. But if you just put it in a nutshell for him. He was fantastic for what he was able to do. And based off of previous years, the last two as it relates to Joey Bosa, it's difficult to, again, take that type of a cap hit and trust that things are going to be different as it relates to his health. I'm not knocking anything about Joey Bosa's talent because as it relates to setting the edge against the run, he's one of the best the Chargers have. He's definitely better with this team than he, than this team is without him. But in the same category, you know, type of question as Mike Williams, can you trust that? And over the last two years, unfortunately, it just hasn't panned out that way. And when you have to make tough financial decisions like this, this is one of the ones that probably makes the most sense as far as whether it's just an outright release or you're able to find a trade partner for Joey Bosa, regardless of what that compensation is going to look like, that would probably be the way to go. Even though Khalil Mack probably has the best trade value out of the two, given the production that he's put up over the last two years. I'm so torn on what to do with this position as a whole. And again, the guys who are on this current team... (laughs) that are on the slate roster 2024. The only four are Bosa, Thule, and Chris Rumpf. That's it. So if you get rid of one, they're going to have to replace him with someone not... I mean, I don't think you're going to get someone at the same value or same production as Khalil freaking Mack, obviously. But I go back to like the edge by committee. I'm torn because as much as... You know, you hear Joe Hortiz talk about like what they're still looking for championships and wanting to win this coming season. They're after the Corey Lindsley restructure. They're about what forty five and forty five ish million. I thought it was down to. I thought it was down to thirty five. I think it's forty five effectively when it, when you take into account the draft picks they also have to sign. There we go. A part of me almost kind of wants to just rip the band aid, Jake. And just start fresh. You can save, what is it? I mean, you can save close to $50 million 
if you just decide, you know what, cut, trade, release Bosa and Mac. And let's say they do the same for Mike Williams. That's like $75 million in cap space that they now have brought in. So they went from 50 over to 25 under with those three. Right. Maybe they restructured Derwin James. Maybe they restructured Justin. They would get rid of Eric Kendricks, maybe. Morgan Fox is a possibility, which we'll talk to in a bit. But sticking with the edge here, let's say you trade release comp picks or trade picks. You go and replace those players with draft capital or free agents, which we'll talk about in a sec. Is the production going to be there? I don't know. You could argue what production did Joey Bosa provide. And I think for what he provided, again, go look at the stats the last two years. You can probably get a defensive end or edge that could do the exact same production for literally a tenth of the price tag. Ripping the band data off, Dan, makes a lot of sense. Honestly, it does. Let's just say you keep one or both if you were able to figure out some way to do that. At best, you're doing that for what? One year? Mm-hmm. You're just kicking the can down that far. This is not this is not a situation where you expect them to be a staple for this unit for multiple years. This is a one-year yeah. band-aid at best. You come back, you hope that you get that same type of production out of Khalil Mack. You hope that Joey Bosa is going to remain healthy. You pair that with what we saw from Tuli Tulipolotu last year, and you keep your fingers crossed. To me, this is going to be a situation where, again, I do not expect both of them to return. I expect at least one of them gone. I would not be surprised if we don't see both of them, just because now we're talking about a brand new regime, different head coach, different defensive coordinator, and I think the promise that you have with Tuli Tulipolotu that was shown, you need to find another young athletic edge rusher like him to pair him with to move on through the future. You need to have a new bookend duo in my mind. Now, not to say that Khalil Mack, another year of Khalil Mack and Tuli wouldn't be productive. I think it would, but I think you still have to invest in that. And whether that's a value-free agent or you invest in it at some point in the draft, you ha- you have to do that. You you can't just do this again and not prioritize it this year and then expect to get what you want next year after, after both of these guys are off that contract and then hope for the best with a rookie at that point. You can't do that. So I think one way or another, you know, you're going to be pushing this forward with Thule and question mark. You have to do it. As you mentioned, Chris Rumpf just unfortunately has not put up the production that we believed he was going to be, even as a rotational edge rusher. And yes, Morgan Fox is kind of like the hybrid edge interior defensive lineman, and you could deploy him in a number of different ways. But if you can find a value signing like Morgan Fox, that would be a nice subplant. Now, is that necessarily going to be your starter across from Thule? Not necessarily saying that. You have to put an edge group together that can not only you know, be the type that are going to play your first two downs, but be these rotational pass rushing specialists. You have to start recreating this group and you have to do it now. So we'll get into kind of the performance in, of this group along with the inter-defensive line here in a second. We'll kind of take a look at some PFF grades and how that shakes out. But again, you're not getting much from Joey Bosa. You're not getting much from Chris Rumpf. You're not getting anything from anyone else because there's no one on the roster. Khalil Mack is long in the tooth, but he, again, balled out. Like I, Age, I think, is a concern for a lot of people, but the dude just had a career year. Like, you could say, okay, well, maybe there's going to be a precipitous drop. Maybe. But his game seems to be aging well. Like, there's nothing on tape that you saw last year that that gave you red flags of, oh, there's a decline coming. Eventually, it's coming. I don't think it's this year. I don't. So that's the edge position. And again, we're going to go through the position by position. We'll go through the free agents available. Then we'll go through possible draft scenarios here. The interior guys, Jake, I think is... Hmm, what's a good way to put this? I don't want to say it leaves some to be desired. But there's a lot of names here that are unproven. Yeah, it's like the incomplete grade. 
that you got, you know, on test grades from time to time. <laughs> you, you just yes. don't know. There's a lot of question marks as it relates to this group. Tito, you know, the first two years of his career have unfortunately not gone the way we would have hoped. Obviously, it took him a long time to come back off of that leg injury that he suffered two seasons ago. When he did come back, you know, it wasn't as much as a contribution as you would have hoped that was going to be. Scott, Scott Matlock and Gerard Clark being both in their rookie season. Scott Matlock, you know, seeing a handful of snaps, but not a, not as much as you expected for him to see as a six-round pick. Gerard Clark obviously being an undrafted free agent. Um, didn't see much playing time outside of the preseason. Morgan Fox obviously once again showed his value. And as we said, he can be that kind of tweener, use him as an edge, use him at the interior of the defensive line. And then Christopher Hinton, he had just recently signed a futures contract where you bring him back. Hey, a familiar name, former Michigan alum. So I'm sure he's going to be welcomed to see some familiar coaches back in that room for that. But Dan, this is a lot different when you take Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson out of this conversation as far as how this interior defensive line looks. I remember back in November, you and I were having this conversation because I think the Chargers were picking like at that point in time, ninth or 10th. And we were talking about what this defensive line was looking like and kind of taking that forward look to it and saying like, oh, this could look, this could, it's going to be rough. At some point, the Chargers are going to have to invest in this. So just like the edge position, whether you're, you're able to find a low level value signing, or go out and prioritize it in the draft. There are some guys that you can go out and, and look at as far as what's going to what you're going to need for Jesse Minter's defense. It's not the best interior defensive line class that that a lot of people were expecting, but in terms of getting guys that can fit the mold of what it is that you want to do, yes, there are some guys that you could target in that circumstance. And the names that we showed there, like Chris Hinton, Gerard Clark, those are practice squad guys. Like these guys aren't on the actual roster. Like the only three names on the roster for 2024 right now are Morgan Fox, Scott Matlock, and Tito. That's it. And with Morgan Fox, remember, he was brought in as like a deployed, like specific scheme fit for Brandon Staley's defense. He was with them with the Rams, game with the Chargers. I think he has like a $4.75 million cap hit this year. They could save, I think, $3.5 million if they release Morgan Fox. I don't know if Morgan Fox, I don't think Morgan Fox fits Jesse Minter's defense, if I'm being honest. I don't. So really, you're looking at Scott Matlock and Tito. And then Gerard Clark, Chris Hinton. Maybe they bring back a Nick Williams. I don't know. But like, that's thin. That's very thin in a position that has to be thick, literally and figuratively. <laughs> yes. So yes. we're looking at an edge group that may need at least one, maybe two edge, maybe three if we're talking depth. Interior probably needs two minimum, probably three or four. That's like four or five positions that have to get filled somehow. Free agent or draft, or trade. And that's just the defensive line. That's scary. Jake, before we get any further, gotta pay the bills. Let's talk about our friends. Let me tell you all about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. It is the easiest way to get into all of the sports action. Underdog Fantasy and their pick'em game. Just pick higher or lower on your favorite or list favorite players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em entry. Get every pick right and take home some cold, hard cash. Just make sure to use the promo code UNLEASHED and get your first deposit doubled up to, uh, to up to up to $500 by Underdog. Go over to Underdog Fantasy today and tell them that Chargers Unleashed sent you. Dan, one thing I wanted to touch on that when you were talking about just in general, the investment that essentially that you could possibly have to put on the interior defensive line and the edge. Doesn't this make a whole lot more sense if the Chargers move out of that five spot just to kick it off mm -hmm. and start trading down? And like you even said, hey, what about a scenario of the Chargers trading down twice? Man, this is this is how many holes the Chargers have to fill. Now, again, we have not hit free agency yet, 
and we'll have a much better idea of what this team is going to look like when that day rolls around. But just we'll as talk about we'll talk about the free here in a second. There's, there's yeah. guys there, but dude, <laughs> it, it's it's ridiculous. And again, the the irony that the football gods want to continue to show upon me in a year where Dan and I both have two of our favorite prospects at the top of this draft and the Chargers have the highest draft capital that they have had in terms of overall picks since they selected Joey Bosa. And now here comes the year that it would actually probably make the most sense for them to trade down. (laughs) Yeah, it's insane. And so let's talk about kind of how well these guys played. We're getting to the free agents available that they could possibly pay for to bring in their services or the draft but let's talk about kind of how these guys actually did last year because sometimes like you think of the name right and you don't really recognize how well they performed and again like pff isn't the bible right but it's like a it's a good north star for kind of seeing how these guys did last year i would say like the team defense run defense actually wasn't bad last year like that wasn't their achilles heel although at times of course it reared its ugly head better than 2022 that couldn't be worse, that's for sure. Aside from Khalil Mack, there really wasn't much pressure sustained by this defense, like production-wise. And so I wonder, like we look at some of these guys, like Khalil Mack and Thule, right? We're looking at run defense. Those were the top names. 90.8 for Khalil Mack, Thule with the 88.4. Like That's good. Look how far down you got to go before you get to Joey Bosa, who's at a 70 in run defense. 70. Thule had an 88. Joey Bosa had a 71 run defense. Pressure-wise, let's look at that. Khalil Mack, number one there, too. Joey Bosa down there at an 80. Is Joey Bosa worth that? I don't know. Look at tackling. Chris Rump is there, I guess. He had a grand total of 100 plays. (laughs) I don't necessarily know if you're really comfortable with that. Defensive grade overall. Cleo Mack standout, obviously. Joy Bosa, 13 points lower than him at 78. You have to scroll down quite a bit. Thule's number eight on the team, 71. Gotta keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling. Still going. SJD, not on the team. Nick Williams at a 59. Chris Rump, 58. Morgan Fox, 58. Chris Hitton, 56. Tito at a 50. He didn't play much. He was hurt a lot. How do you feel about that? How do you think Jim Harbaugh feels about that? Not the best. <laughs> Not the best. Not the best. And Jake, you kind of warned me going into this episode. It's going to make you kind of rethink how much of a priority this should be in the draft or free agency. Because so much of the conversation, you know, you and I obviously were part of this. Oh, Malik Neighbors, wide receiver at five, gold. Brock Bowers, tight end, five, gold. Trade back to eight, Roma Dunze, Terran Arnold, Nate Wiggins, gold. You don't really hear many people talk about interior and the edge from the first round for the Chargers. It might not be what people want, and it might not be what they end up doing. But, Jake, you had said to me, it's probably a position or a group edge and interior that gets selected and taken care of with more capital than maybe folks are expecting. So brace yourself. Here. Yes. 100%. And, and to the fact, I know that we're going to get to the draft prospects in a little bit, but I'll bring this up now considering your, your talk about where do you prioritize this? And it makes you think as far as with everything else that we have talked about as it relates to where what the Chargers are going to do come April, where are they going to prioritize this? Well, Dan, here's a fun fact for you. When Joe Hortiz was the Baltimore Ravens, you look at 10 of the last 11 years going all the way back to 2013. 
10 of those 11 years, either an edge or interior defensive lineman was taken within the first four rounds. They really? made sure to prioritize the defensive line, whether it was interior or on the edge, 10 out of the last 11 years. In the first four rounds. In the first four rounds. doesn't Regardless of what the year was, whether it was in the first round, second round, third round, fourth round, they prioritized it 10 out of those last 11 years. So something to think about in terms of heading into this year. And again, with we talk about as much holes that are on this roster and how many that you need to fill, <laughs> God, trading down just is making so much sense day by day. Yeah. And and think about this, like introspectively for folks watching or listening, for folks who have done those mock drafts that go to rounds four and five, listening to what Jake is saying about how Joe Hortiz has historically drafted, how many of your mock drafts have an edge or interior defensive lineman chosen the first four rounds? I'll be honest, not a lot of mine. Because I'm sure it shifted but around like December to, <laughs> to, to then when we got to January, February, things were moving way over here. Yeah. And I, hell, I even remember where my brain was at in November. Mm -hmm. It was it was on the interior defensive line. And obviously that's shifted dramatically. But yeah, it's been a minute since I've really thought about where the Chargers are going to prioritize this. And when you break it down like this. Yeah. <laughs> so looking, maybe, so, maybe it needs to be revisited, revisited. Yeah. And I think like this, and this is kind of, as we get to the free agency here of this group, like so much talk is about the wide receiver group that needs to get improved. We don't know about Mike Williams to Keenan Allen, which it sounds like Keenan Allen's staying. You hear a lot about the running back position. You hear a lot about tight end, obviously for good reason. You hear about the tackle position ish center. Clearly corner. Clearly. Linebacker, clearly. Safety, probably. Like, that's the problem, is no matter what position the Chargers go through, if they stick and pick, they don't have enough selections. And so, let's say they don't do defensive line in the first four rounds. Like, that's not great. But let's say they say they do, and say they don't go corner. That's not great. Say they don't do tight end. That's not like no matter what you do, no matter how you slice it, there's only so many picks they have. And so that's kind of where I kind of get more into the rip the band-aid approach, where it gives you some relief to like go fix some of this stuff before entering the drafts. So you're not so desperate. And I know a lot of times, even the charge on this is the past, where they'll they go through free agency, wave one and two. And they go through the draft, figure out what they can get. Then afterward, they revisit free agency. Like, that's an option. And I do think restructuring some of these contracts for the team will help. But man, having 50 million versus 25 million cleared-ish helps a ton. Like, think about how many contracts you can bring in with $25 million of, again, not total, but like salary cap hit for 2024. Because again, there's roster bonus. It could be spread over. 25 million for a for a cap hit could be like five, six, seven, eight players. And I'd argue in a mentor, Hortiz, Harbaugh style team building, that's more likely. So I don't know, man. Like you gotta, it's uh, it's gonna be tough. So let's gonna do it. So looking at this Chargers free agency options. Again, this is an eye chart, but I put here for folks looking on the left-hand side, all the defensive line for the interior free agents, at least a lot of them. On the right side, a whole bunch of edge positions that are free agents. And realistically, and again, because of the cap scenario they're in, Jake, you could probably chop the first half of both of these <laughs> right off the board because the Chargers aren't going to be able to afford a lot of this stuff. But before going into like specific names... How do you think the Chargers could or should look to possibly fill in some of the holes through free agency of this group? I think either way, whether it's a situation where you keep Khalil Mack and you 
go into you know one more year with him and Thule as your bookends, or even if you just cut ties completely and you open up a lot more cap space, I still think that the only flexibility that the Chargers have in this regard is you try to find a value edge three, if you will. Mm-hmm. That would probably be the best case scenario. Again, we're we are not talking about two years ago when the Chargers had all the spending money in the world. You know, we had we had this conversation on our live chat on Saturday this past week, and someone had suggested, it's "Like, oh, what if the Chargers can go out and sign Brandon Ayuk in free agency?" And we <laughs> we said, "You can't subplant a problem if you're going to get rid of Mike Williams and then go out and spend that big money again on a Brandon Ayuk or any other type of wide receiver." So in this circumstance, even if you move off of Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, I don't believe you're going to then fill that void with spending more money again on the same position. It just doesn't make sense. So mm-hmm. you'd have to be very wise in how you do this. So whether or not Khalil Mack stays or if you cut ties completely and you go out and you draft an edge to bookend Thule, I still think your range for an edge three is a value-free agent on the on the low end of this chart, regardless of whether it's interior defensive line or edge. Yeah, I mean, realistically, like, looking at some of these names, let's start with, like, the interior guys. Like, Chris Jones, no. Justin Matabuke, no. Christian Wilkins would love it, but no. Leonard Williams, no. Like, there's a bunch of names here that sound wonderful, and I just don't see it happening. Like, I think you're going to have to kind of look towards the bottom side of this. Again, we're looking for, like, value players. Like I think you can look at, I don't know, like a, a David Bada, which he's gonna get he's get resigned. He's ERFA. Uh, Lawrence Guy, older veteran, probably not gonna happen. Hassan Ridgeway, that's a possibility. Maybe do like a rental with Shelby Harris for a year. Don't know. Quentin Jefferson, possibly. Maybe. I don't know. For the edge position, kind of to your point, like there's there's names here. And I don't think I realized until we kind of went through this, like how many edge positions are going to be hitting free agency. Like the big names, you got Brian Burns, 25. Like the guy's a stud. You're not affording that. Josh Allen, no way. Daniel Hunter, no way. Chase Young. Like you could cross all these names off the board. But there are some names that I kind of am curious about what this team could do with them and how much they'd actually go for. Like I don't know what the value is going to be for like the underbelly of the free agents available for this Chargers team and free agency. Like Jatavian Clowney, I'm not sure what he's going to be going for. Leonard Floyd, up in there in age, 31 now, but maybe you could take a flyer on that. I don't know. Andrew Van Ginkle, I like him. I think he's good. A lot of people have talked about Josh Uche. Yeah, that's going to be tough to squeeze into the cap space they have. Name, though, that came up, Jake, that I am curious, and we both really liked him coming out. What would you think about, like, an AJ Epinesa signing? I don't know what the price tag would be. Let's say, it like, I think I saw the value is projected to be, like, $5 million. Do you think they could could squeeze that in? Yeah, as an edge three, that, I mean, God, just think about where your cap money has gone in that circumstance from, Bosa and Mac, if hypothetically they're both gone. It'd be edge two then. That'd be edge two. I mean, I still think that you would prioritize edge because you have to you have to get younger. You have to start getting younger to pair with mm-hmm. Thule moving forward. So yeah, I, I still even think that at that type of a price tag, that that would be your edge three or edge four, depending on how the Chargers would utilize Morgan Fox if they ultimately keep him on the roster. But yeah, again, I don't think that you're going to find your starting edge two. Because if that's the case, if you're going to go edge two and you're going to go with a veteran, then maybe it is the best case scenario in terms of production, familiarity, that you rework Khalil Mack's contract and that you kick that can down the road for one more year. And you have one of them. Keep one. Right. Yeah. And you have Mack and Thule who together were pretty nice compliments to one another throughout last season. You still prioritize edge in the draft. You get kind of the guy that you see a future in that you could bookend Thule with. Again, there's a lot of different avenues that the Chargers can go in this circumstance. I think 
if it was up to me, and I feel like it, unfortunately, it's a business, and there are going to be people leaving, and it happens every year, there are going to be people leaving that you have to kind of take away the emotions of it. If it was up to me, if I had my choice of how to manage this, I think however they do it, trade, cut, really, whatever, I think Joey Bosa, in my opinion, odd man out, I think he's gone. Save $23 million or so there. I think if you can restructure, add void years for Khalil Mack, you could probably save, I think, like $15 million in cap space just by restructuring it. Add another year or two. Give consistency for him and Thule. Bring in through draft or through agency one of these guys. And hell, if you did like AJ Epinesa, you can do a longer-term contract there. I mean, he's only 25. So that's an option. Like, that could be your long-term fit for Thule. Who knows? That's not bad. That's not bad. Like, the drop-off of production is so much better that way than if you were to rip the Band-Aid. But again, like... That's where I'm maybe giving a bump to Harbaugh and Minter and Ben Herbert as a condition, strength and conditioning guy to like get the most out of the talent they have and to bring up the talent level. Do they need like the star-studded defensive line? I don't know. But they haven't had it in the past. And look what they've done. Look at that Michigan defense the last three years. Top five in basically everything. And aside from Aiden Hutchinson, who are the edge players they've had on that squad that have gotten drafted? So. You've got a couple this year that are going to get drafted. That's edge. for sure. Yes. The edge. Yes. But like, no, okay. They're getting, they have guys getting drafted, but who's getting not, drafted? Not day first one round or, talent. Yeah, yes. Exactly. I, yes. I got that. Guys. But yes. So Jake, smooth transition for you then. Now we get to talk about the fun stuff. All things focus now on the 2024 NFL draft. <sighs> now we'll start with the edge position here since we started there earlier, but a lot of names. And I remember we got to lot to like two months ago or so. He was like edge one, 15 overall, hell, 10 overall. People were saying, dude, yes, him. Uh, mm. Things have kind of simmered a bit there. But overall, there are some edge options. And again, like it could be day one, it could be day two, but history says it's rounds one through four. Jake, what are your thoughts on edge class, types of edge, maybe some possible players to look for that would fit? God, I know that we're not including names like Jared Verse and Dallas Turner, Chop Robinson into this conversation, but Latu is just... (sighs) I like him. I love what I see from Latu. And of course, this would be, you know, your trade down scenario. If you find yourself going back from five, you go back to the teens, and depending on what the roster looks at that point in time, can you just imagine what this edge group would look like if you had Latu and Thule book ending this defense? Because both of their traits are so similar in terms of their motor, their constant go to the football. Latu who just attacks with such power, great handwork. And he's fast. And he's he so, so fast. fast. He's so fast. I think that Latu and Thule would complement each other so well in this particular circumstance. I just think that the fit and the mold would be exactly what you would want from a defense that attacks. Now, you go and a little you, and bit real quick. You mentioned you mentioned him and Thule together. Yes. Like Thule was brought in because of his production in college. <laughs> 13 sacks for Latu this year. Like that's production. It sounds very similar to the final year of Thule's here at at USC. Now, I know that he's kind of got the injury scares, and as we go through the combine and the testing, people want to get those cleared on medical standpoint. But just from what he brings to the table, I I would not care if the first pick that the Chargers would take would be Latu, if it was a trade-down scenario. And just to think about (laughs) what that defense would look like if you paired those two together. That would just... That would be... Something oh, that makes your mouth water for what that edge group is all of a sudden going to do. Now, you move a little bit further down the line, Dan. I, I mean, these are, again, this is not the entire class. We'll get into that a lot more as we get closer to, the, uh, to April. These are just some of the guys that I think would be great fits for this team. Jonah Ellis out of Utah, Dan. 
I love what I see from Jonah Ellis. And who knows where his draft stock is going to be come April, but 37 tackles, 12 sacks, 24 quarterback hurries, one forced fumble. He kind of a lot like Latu plays with that seek and destroy type of mentality. First quick off the uh, first quick first step off the line, excuse me, gets to the backfield fast, comes off the edge with a spin move that would make Dwight Freeney just stand back and smile. I like that. Could power through shed blocks with ease to get to the quarterback. I really like what I see from Jonah, Jonah Ellis. Now, obviously, you have to bring in some of the Michigan guys as well. So Jalen Harold, along with, uh, uh, oh my gosh, one of my, uh, Braden, Mc, Braden McGregor, they were the two bookend edge players from Michigan. And I think from what you see from Jalen Harrell, I really like, again, another guy who's got a spin move. Uh, but he comes off the edge with speed, sets the edge well against the run, diagnosis plays very well, has a lot of uh, high football IQ when it comes to finding the football. I like what I see from him. We still have the line at two Michigan players that the Chargers <laughs> could possibly take, and Jalen Harrell could possibly be one of them. Uh, last one on, our, on here on our slide, Dan, is Idisa uh, Isaac out of Penn State, who... Jim Harbaugh should be very familiar with, considering when Penn State played them, he had a he had a great play versus Michigan on JJ McCarthy when he shed a block and got after him. But in, just in total, Dan, listen to this. Again, I know we talk about Chop Robinson a lot, but this was the this was essentially the bookend: thirty-seven tackles, seven and a half sacks, one forced fumble, one fumble, uh, one fumble. Uh, no, excuse me. Yeah, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery. He's just a flat-out disruptor. Another guy with a quick first step, great pass rushing abilities, uh, shed blocks, shed sheds blockers quickly to get into the backfield to stop the run. Uh, shows a nice bend coming off, so he's got a multitude of different pass rushing skills that I really like. So again, this is just four guys that we're talking about in this circumstance, but I think that any one of those four would be a nice complement to this defense if we're talking about starting over, rebuilding your edge group, and moving forward with a guy to bookend Tuli Tula below too. So like realistically though, like I think in the first round, let's, and I don't think they do it at five. So am I, am I, I don't want to speak for you, but there's no yes. way any of these guys, either these guys or any other guy that they <laughs> yes. have available. Are this not is not, no, five, this right? is not November. The chargers are not picking ninth overall. And Jerzon Newton's draft stock is not that high. So it's it, things have changed over the last few months as it relates to the draft value. So no, sticking at five and taking an edge or an interior defensive line, absolutely not. This will either come on day two, day three, or more likely even with a trade back where the Chargers can add a little bit more draft capital in that scenario. So like realistically, unless it's like after 10... I probably still am not. Uh, maybe there's no way the charge are drafting edge position unless it's after 10 with a trade back, in my opinion. Yes. After that, you name it, they can do it. Now, this is where it kind of gets fun. Is you mentioned like the Michigan players, right? There's mm-hmm. a pretty good one mm-hmm. over at Michigan on the interior defensive line. Chris Jenkins is an absolute stud. Now, is he a little undersized for the NFL? Yes. Maybe. Probably. Yes. But go look at what he was when he got to Michigan versus what he was after Ben Herbert and company got their hands on him for a while. And go look at how dominant he was for Michigan. He's been undersized for a while and he's done just fine. The size guys, aspect. Oh, sorry, Dan. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say a couple other guys. Rook, and this is, I've said this name probably for two months on this show, Jake. <laughs> I still can't get the name right. Rook or horror. It's almost like it's almost like Scooby Doo a little bit. It's a horror. That's that's basically how it that's how I've heard everybody else say it. And I know that I if you watch this show long enough, I always try to make sure that I do not butcher names, but Aurora. Yes. I honestly I just want to see him drafted because I want to see I want to hear SoFi like just shout his name after he makes a play. Like, I just want to hear that, like, on repeat. Just, like, Aurora. Tavondre Sweat, though. <sighs> Mountain. My God. Mountain. 
there's some guys like the interior defensive line. I know you said it's not as great as we've seen in the past. And that might be the case, like the first round guys, which again, I don't think they go first round interior anyway. So it doesn't really matter to the chargers day two, day three. There's guys, there's a lot of guys. And again, you're looking at a chargers defensive front that has a ton of versatility in how it's been deployed under Jesse Minter in Michigan for years. Like sometimes that defense was personified by its secondary success. Then some years it was the middle group. It was the linebackers. Some years, one year, it was all defensive line. So it's not like this Chargers defense is going to have to be stout in one position every single year. Jesse Mentor is pretty flexible. And also they can do it with a bunch of different archetypes. Interior defensive line, you said it. Rounds one through four, one of these guys is going to get selected in the interior edge, most likely. What do you think they look for, like in the in a type, as well as maybe a few guys? I mean, yeah, I wanted to touch on all of these because, especially when you weigh that against what the interior defensive line already looks like, you know, Tito, Matlock, Morgan Fox, Gerard Clark. If you look at Gerard Clark, it's like we were all talking about Mountain. getting Jamal Williams vibes for with how big he is and how much of a space eater he was. And, you know, just unfortunately, we haven't seen enough of that yet to fully believe it. Now, you mentioned Chris Jenkins' uh, smaller frame. Yeah, so he has um, you know, 6'3", 305, but has a smaller frame than what would be considered ideal at that position. But he overcomes that in a variety of different ways from his power, from his hand usage. Um, you know, the stats won't show it. I think he's a much better pass rusher than would show up on the stats stat sheet. He had a nice closeout to the season against those finally final two games against Alabama and Washington, two plus performances there. Uh, good lateral quickness when it comes to getting after the ball character, carrier, character, carrier uh, with Ruka Roro. Good damn. job. Good job. Better than me. If, if there was more consistency to, to his game, we would be talking about him so much more because he had a great start. To the, to the season. The first three games, you go back and you watch, his, his production was phenomenal. Then, through the middle part of the year, it's almost like he disappeared. And then once Clemson played Notre Dame, Notre Dame, he finally started to get everything back. But he is arguably one of the more athletic interior defensive linemen in this class. He's expected to test extremely well. I'm really excited to see where his draft stock's going to go. Now, now we're talking about a space eater into Vondre Sweat out of Texas. 6'4", like 362 pounds. Now, playing next to Byron Murphy is obviously going to be an advantage for what you're going to do from a production really? standpoint. Dan, still, even with that, 45 tackles, two sacks, five pass breakups, Dan. You heard me right. Five pass breakups from a dude who is 362 pounds. If you go back and you actually watch how much air he is getting off the ball to go and bat down passes, which the Chargers never get, by the way. Can we talk they, about that? Can we talk they about never, that? They never get batted down passes. But he is just an absolute space eater. He's a brick wall against the run. Deceptively explosive of a player of his size. I'll be interested to see when it comes around to the combine if he's still going to be at that 362 weight because that's the biggest question mark for him. People said he's got first-round talent, which I totally get. But is this the guy that you're going to say can be a three-down lineman for four quarters with his stamina at that weight? I'm not so sure about that. So it reminds me of it reminds me of who was a player that was drafted by the Eagles, right? Which he's probably not going to have Davis. Jordan Davis. Yeah, he's he now he's probably not going to test with the same athletic abilities as, as Jordan Davis. No, but, but I mean, I mean, like the usage and people were questioning how much he can actually stay on the field. Sure, exactly. But if you want to just know about Tavondre Switz power, look no further than what he did against the Senior Bowl against Arkansas offensive lineman Bo Lemer. I mean, talk about just getting manhandled. Sweat took him five yards backwards. <laughs> Lamer didn't have a chance and he was put down on the ground. So he can move bodies. Again, the biggest question mark with him is going to be his consistency. Can his motor last up those through four quarters? Um, 
you know, and is he going to be able to be that piece that you can build off of? Now, if we're talking just, again, what we compared for size-wise for what the Chargers have in that interior defensive room, Devondre Sweat would be a nice addition Man. physically and literally <laughs> to that yes. to that defensive tackle room. Now, Dan, again, another guy that we have on here that I wanted to talk about is Brandon Fisk. I want to call him, excuse me, Braden Fisk. I want to call him Braden Wilson Fisk. Because he just plays angry like Wilson mm. Fisk from Daredevil. Production was was better for him in 2022 than it was in 2023. Still finished with 43 tackles, 19 hurries, and six sacks. He explodes off the line, Dan. Plays with that hair-on-fire mentality, can penetrate through an offensive line very, very quickly. He had a play against Louisville where literally it's just blinking you miss it with how quickly he gets into the backfield and stops the running back for negative yardage. He's that that play alone is probably what highlights his best traits. His off the ball quickness, quickness, his handwork. He just had a great week of practice at the Senior Bowl. I'm excited to see what he's going to do at the, at the combine. His draft stock could definitely be on the rise. Yeah, I man, when you talk about Tremondre Sweat though, dude, like that's my guy. I think that's like my on the defensive front. That's the one where I'm like, I know. There's question marks about how much he can be utilized. I don't care. Like, I think how long of the defenses we've had a guy like that on this? Team? One of my favorite things that was ever said, and, and this was interesting. This goes back to a mock draft that was done by Trevor Sikema. This was in November, very end of November, I think, just after Thanksgiving, where the Chargers at that point in time were picking ninth overall, and he had the Chargers. This was his first three picks, by the way. He had them taking Jerzon Newton, ninth <laughs> overall. He had the them. Uh, he had them taking Quentin Mitchell in the second round. That was back when Quentin Mitchell's okay. draft stock was yeah, reasonable for the second round. Yeah. <laughs> now kiss that goodbye. And then he had the Chargers taking Devon Trevande, Trevandre Sweat in the third round. And he said the reason that he was doing that is he said, "I like my Chargers defensive line like I like my Chipotle double beef." Yes, which with two C's. You don't even need need two defensive linemen to get double beef. Tavondre Sweat is double beef in it of itself. So yes. that's yes. how much that's, that's how much dude. space he eats. Yes. Yeah, and again, like you talk about being able to bring in guys that can be deployed for like specific situations, and that guy's one of them. Man, like he is just a space eater. He's not going backwards, and he's a disruptor, and he's like one of those alpha type players and bring size that this defensive front just doesn't have like Gerard Clark. I guess you could say he's that, but how much is he proven or played? Sounds nice. I will say Tito Agbania is a freaking man. That guy is so big and he is underratedly huge. I talked to him in radio road. I'm like, this guy makes me feel like I'm four. Oh, when we saw him walk past during the rock solid sports memorabilia side, I mean, we were sitting down, but even still, that was a big man that walked right past us. Yeah. And they say he's listed at six, three. There is no way like literally my, the top of my head and I'm like five, nine, five, 10 ish. The top of my head goes to his neck. He has his whole head is above me. So unless his head is five inches, which that's not the case. Six, three is, or I'm five, four. That's not the case. I know that. It's just not that. Uh, well, you're definitely not six two, Dan. So no, I'm, I know I'm not six two two forty, guys. Come on, let's be real here. So th there's a lot of ways that they can slice this, and there's a lot of different, like big, big question marks about how this team can kind of move forward. I guess maybe the last question for you, Jake, is like when you're looking at this from a you know fifty thousand foot view here. How would you kind of stack or would you kind of organize how to fix this line? Like is the, the first domino I think is going to be Mac or Bosa or both. Right. Yes. After that, what comes next? Is it then like, I guess, do they trim everything in, inside first? They figure out if they want to keep Morgan Fox and save the 3.5 million. They figure out the Mac and Bosa stuff and then they move to free agency. Like, will all that happen before we start free to see in a few weeks? I would believe so. Yes. Because I think you have to make your decisions in that regard. I think 
if you're going to capitalize on Khalil Mack's trade value, you need to do that sooner rather than later. I think the closer that you get to the draft and you, if you still have him on your roster at that point in time, I think the less likely that it is that you would get a you know, fair value return. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that all those moves are wrapped up well before the NFL draft. And I say that not just from that standpoint, but again, to help out your new coaching regime as well. You know, th- if this was still Brandon Staley, Tom Telesco, you may be able to get away with a couple more weeks of that just because of the familiarity that you have. But now if we're talking a new coaching regime, I think they would want to have their plan set exactly with what they want to do prior to that draft with as much time to prepare as possible. So yes, I think you fi- you figure all this out. And this is even true still for all the moves that need to be done on the offensive side of the ball on top of that, you know, circa Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. But yeah, you figure all this out. And regardless what position we're talking about here, whether it's interior defensive line or edge, it's going to have to be a value body that you put into there. It really is. And, you know, this will just be interesting to see because depending on how many holes that are going to be so-called filled by the time that we get to the draft, how many are going to actually be remaining for the Chargers to fill? And most likely, even with trade downs, you're still not going to be able to fill every single one. No. no. So this will be extremely interesting to see how Jim Harbaugh, the coaching staff, and especially Joe Hortiz want to prioritize this as we inch closer to April 25th. And obviously, we have the combine that starts up next week, which is going to give us a whole nother point of view in terms of, of where the draft stock is going to go for a number of these different players. But yeah, prior to the league year, we'll start having a good idea of what the Chargers are really going to need come the draft. And boy, are we going to be covering the combine? We got some fun, special things in store for Chargers fans for that. Jake, maybe the last question. And I know we haven't got to, we're, we're going to, we do this every year. We'll have our top 10 fits for the Chargers specifically. Again, not just top 10 prospects, but top 10 fits for the Chargers by position. We'll get there. But right now, if you close your eyes, Chargers fans and Jake, and you think about, this Chargers team, the defensive line, and you fast forward the draft, regardless of what they do with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa or Morgan Fox. An ideal scenario for you, Jake. Give me one free agent, if you go that route, and one draft prospect that, not necessarily sure how or where or when, but those are the guys that you're like, man, if they could just get blank and blank on this team. <sighs> Chargers country, let's ride. I don't know if I could do that with free agency just because, again, it's so hard to tell right now. I can wholeheartedly say that whether Khalil Mack is remaining on this team or Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa are gone, you're probably not going to go out and get one of those big-name defensive linemen, whether it's edge or interior defensive line. You're just not going to do that. So ideally, for me, again, I know we have talked about so many different draft scenarios on this show thus far, and we're not even out of February yet. (laughs) And I would still, if you were to just say it in your head right now, would you prioritize corner over edge or interior defensive line? Yeah, probably I would. Would you prioritize wide receiver tight end over interior defensive line and edge? I think with the play with the players that you have the chance to get at five, sure yeah, you, you may have to go BPA in that circumstance. Yeah. Center, obviously, that we have talked about, you know you are going to be prioritizing that at some point in this this year because there literally is nobody there. Yep. If it, if it was for me, Dan, I go back to the Latu conversation. If this was a uh, trade back, uh, if this was a trade back and you got Latu to pair with Thule, oh, that that to me, you pick up extra draft capital. You pick you select Latu in the teens, and see what you do going forward. I think I think it's a great start. The best part about it is is that the Chargers have so many different directions that they can go. I know that Dan and I specifically have pigeonholed ourselves into two specific players, and I know that a lot of Chargers fandom have done the same when it comes to the conversations of Malik Neighbors and Brock Bowers. 
And then there's a whole other contingent that believes that the Chargers should select an offensive tackle and Joe yeah, Alton. They're wrong. They're wrong. <laughs> there is a plethora, a plethora of ideas. I really do not care, to be perfectly honest with you. I yeah. don't care because there's so many holes to fill. I don't care if they trade down and they take a corner, they trade down and take an edge, they tr- you know, they trade back a few picks and they still take Brock Bowers. That would be a dream. Or in Dan's circumstance, you trade back to eight and, and Malik Neighbors is still oh, there on the board. I mean, yeah. my God, it, it doesn't matter. And this is only going to get worse or better, however mm. you perceive it, as we move closer. Because yeah. to see how this team is going to prioritize their draft picks. And again, we say this because we have no idea what the hell Joe Hortiz and Jim Harbaugh are going to do. If this was the old regime, we'd probably have a better idea for what they were going to prioritize first. But who knows? And honestly, that's the best part about going into April. I got a scenario for you. All right, so Latu, honestly, it's hard to beat that. That's hard to beat. If it was me, Restructure Cleo Mack. Trade Joey Bosa. You're probably going to release or cut Morgan Fox. If they can get AJ Panessa, I think they can get him on a good three, four year deal for probably four years, 19, 20 million ish in total. And then you add in. Ben Herbert. And I'm just imagining Ben Herbert working with Trevondre Sweat. Because you hear about all like the before and after of what players that would, have that would looked be like. interesting to see. Like if there was anybody that was gonna kick up Trevondre Sweat's stamina, <laughs> you'd have to believe that. That's what I'm saying. But like imagine imagine Ben Herbert's grin. Trevondre Sweat, a dude pushing close to four hundred. 400 pounds what he could do with that and having that on the interior mixed with Mac Epinesa Thule Tito Matlock we don't know what Gerard Clark is but that's some serious beef like Tito Matlock Clark and Trevandre Sweat like, good luck. And you get some conditioning going with those guys. Whew. And then you have the, honestly, Thule, Epinesa, and Mac, all versatile, can play both run and pass exceptionally well. That might be my ideal scenario. I love Latu, but I know what that means in terms of the other guys you're not getting. Yes. But like, you could say that going both ways. Like, you could say that. Yeah, if if you went Roma Dunze at ten or whatever they trade back, correct. You could you all say, it, oh, "Well, yeah. there goes Latu." So yep. this is going to be a position that I don't think enough people, including ourselves, didn't put as much of a priority on when it gets drafted or when it gets solved. But it's a big one, and it doesn't just get solved when you cut or trade Mac and Bosa. Like that's just like the tip of the iceberg, or hell, that's probably the base of the iceberg. If we're being honest. So that's it for edge interior defensive line. It went a little long here, but I think that's by design. Jake, anything else we missed on this group? Any words of caution you want to give the Chargers fans as we continue on between now, combine, free agency, draft? I mean, words of caution? I don't have to be words of I would probably just say, and even I have to learn a lesson in doing this as well, because <laughs> think about just, the past few drafts that the Chargers have gone through. And when we get to that point of the player, the target, the priority, all that type of stuff, you know, a lot of us had our guys in our head last year in terms of the wide receivers that we felt that the Chargers were going to go. They went a different direction. We've had that other years as well. Some years we've gotten that. Other years it hasn't been like that. But now for the Chargers having the highest draft position that they have had since they took Joey Bosa. And Joe Hortiz at the helm, which look at the Ravens and how many times you've seen that draft class. You say, how the hell did they get this guy to fall in their lap? Exactly. So I would just say 
don't entirely hit your wagon to one person and just enjoy the ride because I feel like the Chargers are going to go on one come April 25th. We got to buckle up, strap in, because this roller coaster is going to be going fast and the ebbs and flows are going to go crazy. But we will be here for all of it. For Jake Hefter, you can find him at Jake T. Hefter, myself at Dan W. Sports. Again, we've got a bunch of positional value as well as positional breakdowns on a lot of these. I think the only one we have left, I believe, we're not going to do quarterback because, come on. No, we got we got to get into all the dogs play. <laughs> Are we trading? Are we trading for JJ McCarthy? <laughs> no, obviously not. And the only one we have left is the linebacker spot. So we'll get to that one. I believe we try to do it before the combine. So sometime in the next Don't week. That. Until then, we'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs> Chargers Unleashed.